Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. You need to know what it takes for a home loan to fit your budget and your family. Guess what, friendo? Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. We say goodbye to Anthony Pierno. We say hello to Connor Green. Connor, hello. What is going on, Ken? How you doing? Oh, I'm just doing the show. Glad to have you. You'll be proctoring Worker Shoot coming up here in 20 minutes. It's going to be a fantastic time. Also, Aaron Torres is going to join us, college football writer and host, Fox Sports Radio. AaronTorresOnline.com. 120, I might need to ask you guys some questions. I might have to ask Connor a question. I already asked Jason Cole the question. There was something that bothered me earlier this week, and I, I think I might be going soft. I, I have to say maybe I've gone a, a touch soft on that. That coming up at around 1.20 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. Let me tell you my favorite Iron Bowl ever. It's 2010. You know why it's my favorite Iron Bowl ever? Because of the absurdity that led to this. Now, I told this story yesterday. I'm not going to tell it again because I only tell it on Thanksgiving, and we're already past Thanksgiving. We're into the Black Friday holiday season, and that's it. So I'm going to tell it one more again. For everybody in the world, with the exception, I guess, NFL players, because they're just inviting everybody over to their house for Thanksgiving, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. But, and the NFL's taking action for this. For the exception of NFL players, everybody else is like, hey, you know, we're going to have a socially distanced, we're going to stay home for this Thanksgiving. We're not going to have a whole bunch of people over. Most people are feeling that way. And there's a lot of people going, man, you know, this certainly sucks. And I go, you know what, it's nothing new for me. Thanksgiving for me has always been a very awkward holiday. There's very little tradition for me on Thanksgiving. Again, when I was about seven years old, grandma died. We stopped going over to my grandma's house. And then we had Thanksgiving dinner, just my mother, my father, and I. I'm an only child. Until alone, until I was about like 19, until I got to college. And we always ate it. First off, I didn't know that, th- you're going to love this, Connor. I didn't know that Thanksgiving was a big booze holiday. I didn't know people drank on Thanksgiving. I didn't know it was big time for drinking. You got to have at least one or two glasses of wine, Ken. You have to. People are going, oh, yeah, you're drunk, uncle. I'm like, what? People drink on Thanksgiving? They do this? I did not know. I did not know because my dad's not a drinker. My mom my mom would have a bush here and there but not, like, knocking him down with consistency. Mom wasn't a big drinker either. So 
it always kind of was like, all right, I I guess it's a drinking holiday. I didn't realize this until I became an adult. But we had Thanksgiving, and we would have dinner at like 6 o'clock. And Dad would wake up, and he'd make this huge-ass breakfast, and then we'd eat it. It was like a brunch because you'd eat it, start eating it at like 11.30. We ate that. It'd fill you up. And then he thought basically you were good to go. You had a few snacks, and basically things were good to go until 6 o'clock that night. We wouldn't eat dinner until 6. So it's like halftime of the Cowboy game, and we're finally eating the dinner. Which I – now that I'm an adult and I have my own my own house, like I'm the Werther's original grandfather, it's like let's get the bird on the table about 2 o'clock. Let's get going. Let's get going here. Come on. Let's go. That type of thing. I've always had very weird Thanksgivings. Home by ourselves with just us three is a little bit untraditional. Then there was the time where my parents decided to go to Tampa – down to Pinellas Park, and they just decided, well, you're on your own. I had a girlfriend at the time, thank God, she took me in for Thanksgiving, and her family took me in at Thanksgiving, but it was a scene, man. It was very weird. And then I met my wife and my wife's family, and they don't eat a lot of turkey on Thanksgiving, or they don't like turkey very much as a family, but they'll eat it on Thanksgiving, and they basically force-feed themselves to eat turkey because I like turkey, I guess, and that my brother-in-law likes making the turkey. But the weirdest Thanksgiving I ever had was 2010. And I remember it because of the Iron Bowl. And it's part of the reason why the Iron Bowl, thankfully, has become the best college football rivalry in college football, thanks to Jim Harbaugh and his non-competitive spirit against the Ohio State Buckeyes. So now, rightfully, I can put Alabama-Auburn as the best rivalry in college football because Auburn actually wins every now and then. And they're coaching against the greatest to ever do it right now. So that's something. At least they have some fire and they're willing to do it. The other ones, I got, I got nothing for you. I wish I had something for you, Michigan fan. More on that coming up later on in the show, more than likely. But we're there. It's it's Thanksgiving, and I, my parents had told me about a week before, and I thought it was a gag. I get home, and I, I got home Thanksgiving morning because, like any other college-age kid, I'd go out on, th- on the night before Thanksgiving. Connor, I'm sure, went out on the night before Thanksgiving. Pierno's still on his bender from the night before Thanksgiving. It's the way it goes. And so I get home Thanksgiving morning. I'm a little slow at that time. And I'm there at the house, and they go, well, put on your coat. And I says, why? I, I, there's no bird cooking, by the way. There's nothing. And they go, we're going to Hometown Buffet. And I says, are you serious? We're actually doing this? Oh, yeah, Kenny. Did you think we were joking? I said, absolutely I thought you were joking. Absolutely. Who goes to Hometown Buffet on Thanksgiving? We pull up to the Hometown Buffet. The place is packed. I've never seen a buffet this packed ever in my life. I didn't realize that many people go to Hometown Buffet on Thanksgiving. I was shocked. We sit down. The place is a madhouse. And next to us is an older couple and their son. Their son, I wish he he looked like a character out of a movie. He's wearing a green sweatsuit. It's velvet. And he's got a handkerchief safety pin to his collar. And I, the only thing I'm doing is staring at him and staring at these people going, this is me. I I better hope I don't allow this to happen. This is just before. This, I, this is while I was with Liz. I had just met Liz. We had just started dating. And I couldn't believe the, I could not believe the situation I was in. And I go, I, I, I better marry this woman or I'm going to end up like this guy. 
He's in Air Monarchs, but they're like the off-brand Air Monarchs. He's got this green sweatsuit on of velvet, draped and sconced in velvet, if you will. And he's got a handkerchief, handkerchief, and it's pinned to his collar. And he's commenting on the turkey. He's commenting on the food. He's telling mom it's so moist. Those were the words he used. It's so moist. I'm not bothered by that word, but I know you guys are bothered by that word. I didn't make it up because I know most people are bothered by that word. He keeps commenting on the moistness of the turkey. And I'm not eating a thing. I am staring. And you look at me. You don't believe it. I swear to you on a Bible in my office and on my son's outside here, I'm not eating a thing. I'm just staring at these people. My parents are unbothered. They're eating. They're having a decent time. And I am staring at this guy going, oh, my God, this is my future here. Mother, the turkey is so moist. You know what's weird when he's calling her mother? And during the time, my dad, who was a heavy smoker at the time, starts coughing like crazy. He's coughing, he's coughing, he's coughing. He's been coughing the entire day. There's something wrong. There's something amiss. We finish this whatever you call it at Hometown Buffet. And I got nothing against Hometown Buffet. Hopefully when we get out of all this, people will go to Hometown Buffet again. It's a fine chain of restaurants. I've always had a good time except for that one day. We get home. Mom takes my dad to the hospital. Turns out, America... He's got a collapsed lung. We spent the next day, that Friday, watching the Iron Bowl. I think it was on a Friday. It might have been on a Saturday. He was still in the hospital. Watching the Iron Bowl on TV. My dad doesn't like college football at all. I do. We sat there. My dad had smoked his last cigarette he's ever smoked. It's been now 10 years since he smoked cigarettes. He doesn't smoke. We watch the Iron Bowl. We watch My Dad Hates Nick Saban because he's a Dolphins fan. Remember, ha-ha. So we watch Alabama get to this great big lead, and I said, there's something here. I think Cam Newton, I think Auburn's going to come back and get him. And they ended up coming back and getting him. My dad likes Cam Newton ever since. Doesn't really care about Auburn. Likes Cam Newton. There's always going to be a small affinity for Auburn because of my dad. My dad hates Nick Saban. And that day was the last day my dad smoked cigarettes and was one of the best Thanksgivings ever. I got to watch the Iron Bowl. I got to watch Cam Newton, and we watched it at Altman Hospital. What a weird weekend it was. So as far as everybody else's weekend, which is a little bit awkward because we're dealing with everything we're dealing with, obviously, with all this going on, while it's awkward for you, it's par for the course for me. And it leads me to say that not because of 2010, but because of what we watch currently in college football, why Auburn and Alabama, even without Nick Saban stalking the sidelines today, has taken over as the best rivalry in all of college football. And it's for the exact same reasons I just specified before my great big long soliloquy about Thanksgiving dinner and about how weird it was for me in 2010 watching basically a gigantic baby comment on the thanksgiving to mother and father sitting next to us at the hometown buffet because when i watch alburn and alabama and i know auburn wants to make changes at their head coach they always seem to do and maybe it seems rightfully so with gus i always caution i say well you know you're 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 recruiting in the same state as the best to do it in this generation you've been through it before you're able to get over with bo You're able to get over a couple times, but I still watch Auburn, and I still see a team that cares. They care. The rivalry means something to them. 
one of the biggest things, and I've been a, a strong critic of Jim Harbaugh. The biggest disappointment to me in Jim Harbaugh is that he takes Ohio State, Michigan, which should be the best rivalry in college football, and save Auburn, save Army and Navy. I think that that's a very special rivalry, and I put that away from the other rivals or rivalries in college football. They're they're separate. They're in a special category because what those kids do, what they do afterwards, really matters in the real world. It, there's real significant things that they have to go out and do. It just means more. I put them in a special category. In regular college football, Ohio State and Michigan should be it, and it's not. Because to be a rival, you got to win every now and then, and Michigan don't do it, and you got to believe in it. To make a movie work, to make a, a, a segment on the radio work, I got to get you to believe in something. And for the last seven years, Jim Harbaugh has done basically everything he could, which makes it even more of a sacrilege considering this guy who played in the rivalry to turn this into just another game. Quiddy Pay, his own defensive player, said, it, said as much before the season in a podcast, said that we don't make a big enough deal about beating Ohio State, and that's why we lose. How on earth do you take – Arguably, and I do underline arguably, Alabama, an Auburn fan, arguably the greatest rivalry in college football. How do you take it and turn it into just another game? Michigan now has themselves a decision. And I don't know what's going to happen out of Penn State today. We'll see between those two. Or I should say at Michigan with, with Penn State today. I don't know what's going to happen. But you have a very strong decision to make if you're Michigan right now. Because yesterday, before yesterday happened, it, the ball was in your court. If you're the Michigan Wolverines, if you're Ward Manuel, you can make any decision you wanted to make and think, okay, well, you know, we have Jim, and Jim's been great, and yeah, we don't we don't compete with Ohio State, but we're supposed to be of this higher standing here. Now your hand's been forced. And it's because of what happened yesterday with Iowa State and Texas. At 7-2, and two, and with Iowa State having their best season, and no offense to Cyclones fans, I love you, and I mean that sincerely. But at 7-2 and two in their best season since basically, what, 1912? For all intents and purposes, this is going to be Matt Campbell's last season in Ames, Iowa. And if you're Michigan, I can guarantee you this. From the experience of a guy who's from Ohio who's from Stark County, Ohio, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is, and Stark County High School football growing up in that community is basically the SEC of Ohio high school football. I can guarantee you that. He lives it. He breathes it. He loves it. That's what it is. There is nobody who takes anything as personally as a person who grew up playing high school football in that county. He will take that rivalry, and he will make it personal. One of the great things that Urban Meyer has done, one of the great things that Jim Trestle did, is they took those that rivalry and they made it intensely personal. Every day there was something dedicated to beating Michigan. And that's how you get over on a rival. You take something every single day and dedicate it to your most hated rival. You take guys from Texas, from Florida, from California, guys who did not grow up in that rivalry, and you make them believe. You brainwash them to make them want to beat that opponent that badly, to go after that opponent that badly. You get them to believe in it. And every day you spend time 
telling them, getting them to believe that this is not just an opponent. This is a hated, bitter rival that's trying to take food off your table, trying to take draft stock away from you, trying to get bragging rights on you, going after your intelligence, going after your solvency, going after you as a human being. That's what Ohio State's done over nearly 20 years, and that's what Michigan has failed to do. And I can guarantee you this, while a Michigan fan probably isn't listening to this because they're watching or listening to Penn State in, in Michigan, I can guarantee you this, he'll take the rivalry, he'll make it personal again. And now Michigan has a serious decision to make because before it was, hey, Jim's a Michigan man. We do better than what we did with Brady Hoke consistently, even though Brady Hoke did win a Sugar Bowl. We do better than what we did with Rich Rodriguez. Over the course of time, we've done better. We don't have any NCAA violations. Hey, we win an average of nine and a half games a year. Not this year, but we win an average of nine and a half games a year. All right. We keep to have our same academic prestige. We get it all. We get to keep Jim. Now with this, if you're Michigan and you're a Michigan fan, do you allow Mac Campbell to go somewhere else? Do you settle? And I underline settle now. Do you settle for a P.J. Flex someday down the line? Do you let Jim Harbaugh maybe knock it out for, a ne- for another couple of years and then decide that he wants to move on to the NFL, or do you push him out the door? There's great opportunities in the NFL. Do you let a guy who is from Ohio – who would take that who take that rivalry personally, who would take it seriously every single day, put that rivalry back where it is, shut it, it's like me up saying that Alabama and Auburn is the better rivalry now. Because at least Auburn takes it seriously and wins every now and then because of heart. Because they catch Alabama maybe on a slump of a day. Do you get a guy like that? Do you get a guy like that? Do you keep Jim Harbaugh or do you let a guy like that go ahead and go to the NFL or maybe go somewhere else? And know that you could have got him this year. What happened yesterday, Tom Herman's a big conversation. What could happen at Texas is a real conversation that we should have and we had at the beginning of the show. But what happened yesterday isn't as much about Tom Herman. It's about what Michigan's going to do. Because when that field goal went wide left, that forces a hand on Texas, but it really forces a decision on Michigan football. Because today we'll watch the Iron Bowl, and we will see the greatest rivalry in college football right now. And for any Michigan fan, for any Michigan alum, with any sort of means, for anybody associated with the University of Michigan, they know I'm right, and that should bother them. 855-212-4CBS. I'll try to get to some calls when we come back. We'll also try to do work or shoot. Aaron Torres, 1240 p.m. Eastern, 940 a.m. Pacific. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. You're crazy. Good because you fell, you fat king. Have another donut. Have another donut. On CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. 855-2124-227. Before we get to the phones here, I got Tim and Charlotte on hold. I want to get to him. We're going to move work or shoot later on. Even though, man, I really want to ask people if I'm soft. But, I, you know, Connor works at work or shoot. We're, damn it, we're going to do work or shoot. Sometime in the 1 o'clock hour, probably at 120. 
855-212-4CBS. Is this, is this true what I'm seeing here, Connor? I know we got Marco Belletti coming up at the bottom of the hour. Did Pittsburgh have some positive tests here? The rumor is that they're bracing for some positive tests at some point, whether that be right now or after they play the game is uncertain. You see, well, and I know that they had the the big memo that came out yesterday that they're going to close the facilities Monday and Tuesday. It's very it, it, it's it's tough for me to wrap my head around it, and I want to make sure if I say something about it, it's it's as close to accurate as possible. The Thanksgiving thing, the holiday thing, you know, matters, and a lot of guys, while you can tell them. Listen, you can't have your family over. You can't have your family. It's the same thing. We talk about these guys with their money. And what they'll they'll give loans and just giving money away to family members, and it's hard for them to say no. And, and there are family members. There are people in these guys' families who, whether, you, whether I agree with them or not, they don't believe in it, they don't think it's as serious, or they just think it'll happen to somebody else, and they don't have to deal with it. And there are guys across the league who they took it seriously, they probably took it seriously until Thursday or until Wednesday night. The holidays, and especially at this time, you talk to any player who played on a team that struggles. This is the time of year where you have to start to watch them. And it's weird, and I shouldn't have to say that because we're talking about their health, we're talking about public health, a virus. Usually athletes are as hygienic a people as you're ever going to find. So that's a, that's, a, that's a big, big thing to talk about. Usually, athletes are the ones, the ones that I've covered, they're the ones you don't have to worry about brushing their teeth and covering themselves and making sure everything's fine because it's it, their bodies are their lives, it's their money. But when you get to this level or this time of the year, guys start to count down and go, okay, I only got five more Wednesdays. They get days off, I only got five more Wednesdays. I only got a little bit more time left. So it is a concern of the exposure during the Thanksgiving holiday. And it will be a concern during Christmas, which will be a real bad wrench to throw into things because you're going to have a Christmas holiday, then possibly a New Year's holiday, and then we're trying to get set for the playoffs. So they're going to have to be as adamant as possible to get it in the heads of their players and get it in the heads of the staff. you got to take this seriously. You have to separate. And by that time, especially in December, because we, we have vaccine news coming around over the last over the next couple of weeks in my state, the first shipment is supposed to be there in December 15th. I'm not trying to open up any can of worms there, but you know one of the things is, and one of the, one of the fears they should have, as soon as you hear about a vaccine, that's when people might start letting their guard down. And it's like, you eventually, we'll get out of it. It's going to take a minute. It ain't going to happen overnight. Let me get to Tim in Charlotte real quick. He's next up on CBS Sports Radio. Hello, Tim. Hey, hello, Ken. You know, um, congratulations to your dad on quitting smoking. God bless him for every day and <laughs> Thank the year you he's much. added to his life. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. Y- yes, sir. He appreciates um, that. Too. You know, I thought that, was, I thought that was wonderful, that thing you did on the uniforms. Um, oh. That perked my ears up because the Steelers, I'm a big Steeler fan. The Steelers used to wear an all-white uniform and have those black helmets. And it's been a, a long, long time. And I spoke to a friend of mine who, who, works, who worked for the Steelers. He said the reason they got rid of the all-white is because if those guys got hit or bloodied up, those uniforms showed everything. Ooh. And they, they said that was, that was one of the main reasons that the, that the pro teams got rid of them because 
it just it looked like it just looked like there was a you know a war going on and I and I saw the Miami team days. and I was like man that actually looks pretty dang cool but Gosh, you know I, I thought that was really great and the guy who followed up with uh, with the, the, the expose and the quarterbacks what a what a wonderful insight on that that was spectacular Jason's so. great Jason Cole's one of the best seriously and everybody hey, I, get a chance to go buy his book go ahead go ahead there Tim go ahead let, let me throw one thing to you if you want to see Please. something amazing go to, go YouTube and do um, Pennsylvania Hall of Fame quarterbacks and watch that celebration because all those quarterbacks, except for late George Blanda, threw passes inside one of those hotel big uh, meeting rooms. And, man, that was spectacular. Pennsylvania Hall, of, Pennsylvania Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Yes, sir. And all right, I'll look it up. They're having, like, a meeting, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to see. Okay, I'll look at Tim. Thank you very much for the call and the kind words, my friend. I'll look it up. Why the hell not? I love history as much as anybody. Adam in Indiana, you're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go. Uh, hello, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. Glad to have you. Go um, ahead, buddy. Uh, my question is, do you, do you since Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky is starting for the Bears, do you think they pose a better chance of beating the Packers Sunday night? <sighs> I don't think anybody on their roster holds a better chance to beat the Packers on Sunday night, Adam. Hey, the only thing I have to say for Mitch, he's more mobile in the pocket than he is. Nick Foles. I actually but, like, yeah, I actually like Mitch, and I like Mitch personally, and I like his family personally because he's from the area I'm from, Adam. Um, I, I got you. But I think it's a change. It's going to have to be a change of scenery thing. There's been a lot of, and I think some of this has has to be Matt Nagy's fault. I think some of this has just been they're not that great on offense, and I because I, I got to run. I thank you very much for the time because we got Aaron Torres coming up. I'll tell you this: it, I'm disappointed. I'm sad about it because you know I like his, I like him and I like his family, but I don't think it's going to work out in Chicago. I, I think that it, it's a non-fit. I think it was maybe a little bit too early, and I still wonder. And this is the problem with Mitch Trubisky, and I think this is the problem with a lot of quarterbacks, is that when you have the junior year that Mitch had. You had the lead-up to the junior year that Mitch had. You basically have to come out because now the secret's out on you. And, and if we get an extra year with you, us and the media, we'll just spend time saying bad things about you. It, it's not a build-up. If you come back for a senior season, it's a very weird mix. If the, if the secret's out about you too soon, we'll just turn around and start looking for the negatives because we only want to pay attention to the positives at first. Then we'll start to look for, okay, where's the negatives? Because we want things to talk about. And I wonder if Mitch goes back for one more year to North Carolina, what happens to Mitch? That team around him wouldn't have been very good. Larry Fedora ended up losing his ass. I don't know if it's a road that he should have traveled, but I, I still wonder. With a little bit more seasoning with the type of QB he is, maybe it would have been a little bit better for him. But I think that he's been thrown under the bus in Chicago. I think it's time for a, new, I, I think it's time for a switch of scenery. I don't know what his future holds. Maybe he's a career backup and that's it. But to have an opportunity, we'll see what he can do. I know that he's been banged up. I know that they've been banged up. I don't know if anybody on their roster really helps them out. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Work or shoot. That coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Up next, Aaron Torres, college football writer and host, Fox Sports Radio. Also, AaronTorresOnline.com. Oregon, upset big by Oregon State last night. USC, Winning football games. The Pac-12, do they have anything to say about the college football playoff and what's going to happen with Tom Herman? It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Right now, it's the latest sports update with Marco Belletti.
You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. It's 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by the fine folks at Geico. And as my computer loads up the read, I will continue to fill the time and to explore the space and tell you about the fine folks at Geico as it just pops up in front of me, folks. I mean, whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car together. Having a home, it's hard work, man. It's hard. Get a quote, geico.com. Today, it's easy. Also, tomorrow, an NFL on CBS doubleheader with the early games highlighted by the Colts clashing with the Titans. That's going to be a good one. Then, in the late game, all eyes are going to be on the marquee matchup between Patrick Mahomes' Chiefs taking on Tom Brady's Bucks. Coverage begins at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, with the NFL today. Tomorrow, the NFL is on CBS. Still efforting Aaron Torres. We'll get to him as soon as we can. Hopefully, they'll be able to get him. Uh, worker shoot coming up probably around 1.20 p.m. Eastern. Yesterday, we had Jeff Kerr on from CBS Sports. Great guy, great bowler as well. as bowled a 300 game. Also, I, di- I just saw this. The NBA is coming out with another snitch line, which everybody says, Ken, you're on it. There's a big thing in Cleveland that says I call the cops on people. I've never called the cops on anybody. Admittedly, it sounded like that, but I've never called the cops on anybody. Shams saying about 50 minutes ago the NBA is going to establish an anonymous hotline to report potential violations of safety protocols during in-market play during the 2020-2021 season. Sources told the Athletic and Stadium is also a hotline for the Orlando restart. Try not to call the cops on people. we got to remain responsible. Very responsible man. He joins us right now on the hotline. I'm going to get to the Patrick Mahomes thing after Jeff Kerr said something coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. we get to Aaron Torres, though. College football writer, host, Fox Sports Radio. Find him on his website at AaronTorresOnline.com. AaronTorresOnline.com. Aaron Torres joining us on the show. Aaron, thanks for joining us today, my friend. Uh, thank you for having me. How are we doing today? We're doing okay. Find him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. What are you doing with Tom Herman? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, like, it's clearly not working, and I thought the big thing that came out of yesterday was when they asked Sam Ellinger about it, if the if the coaching staff is getting the most out of the, the, the players, and he said something to the effect of, that's the million-dollar question. Well, no, it's not the million-dollar question. Either is or he isn't. And if you're saying that, you know, if you're answering that question in that context, uh, he's not. And so, you know, I I will say, like, I do think realistically, um, look, I think it makes for great Twitter fodder, but you're talking about $15 million that would be owed to him. And my understanding is it'd be over $20 million to replace the whole staff. And then you got to go out and pay a new coach four, five, six, seven million million a year. So, I, 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 as weird as it sounds, there's still a couple games left. I'm curious to see how things finish. If you go, say, 7-3 and three in this circumstance, I, I don't think you can let him go. I don't think he's the answer, Ken, to be clear. But I think it's really hard financially to let him go uh, if you go 7-3, and three, if you have a 7-3 and three type season uh, in this uh, kind of current climate. But there will be an argument. You know where I'm going with this. And I, sure. I totally see where you're coming from, Aaron. I totally see where you're yeah. coming from, man. But I think there there might be boosters at a place like Texas go. So I'm just going to sit around and have another bad year of football? Is that how this is no. going to work here? No, go I was going to say, and you know, what's interesting is, and, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Ken, you know, I think that's an interesting dynamic across college football is, you know, 
first of all, uh, uh, you know, we, we were led to believe that there's a pandemic. There's no way any of these schools are going to replace their coaches. But, I mean, Michigan and, and Penn State are in a race to the bottom of the Big Ten right now. Uh, Michigan's a little bit of a different deal because Harbaugh only has one year left on his deal. And I don't think James Franklin is necessarily in any trouble of losing his job. But I bring up Michigan. I live in L.A. Uh, USC fans are perpetually unhappy with Clay Helton. Um, and, and, and so the idea that, you know, we could have Michigan, Texas, and USC all open in a year where we weren't going to get any big openings on top of South Carolina is not inconceivable. And I do think the point you bring up, Ken, is a very important one. I think you could argue out of every program in the country, um, you talk about an impatient kind of booster base. And a booster base, by the way, to their credit, that's willing to pay for change uh, Texas is probably number one. So I think to your point, it's a very valid one. I am still on the fence of I want to wait and see, I guess, how these next few weeks play out before I decide definitively that he's gone. But, again, I want to reiterate, I don't believe he's the right guy. I just don't necessarily believe that he'll be gone, but I totally see your point, Ken. Aaron Torres joining us on the show. I love that you brought up USC because my whole dream – was, hey, Urban's got to go to USC. Urban's got to go to L.A. He's Hollywood. His family's Hollywood. He's a major star. He can resurrect that program. Let's go. Send him to USC. And then Clay Helton goes out there this year, and he's what? He's played three opponents that he's had no game tape on in 2020, and they beat all of them. And I know they had to they had to come from behind, but he's 3-0 and is 3-0. and So I guess i got to give Clay Helton credit here. During this year, during a pandemic, during all this, the Trojans are 3-0 and with Clay Helton. I thought it would go the other way. Oh, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, most people here did too. I, I would say a couple of those games could have gone the other way. Uh, but True. to your credit, wins, w- yeah, wins are wins, W's are W's. Uh, and I will say, like, about Clay Heller, you can say what you want. His teams generally get better over the course of the second half of the year. That's most That's of true. the problem. They dig themselves such a hole that they can't get out of it, uh, you know, in the first two, three, four weeks of a traditional season. So, um, I, I don't, you know, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a crazy time. USC has gone through a lot of internal stuff as far as a new AD in the last year, a new school president. That's why I really believe the move wasn't made last year was you basically had a new school president who wasn't keen on bringing in Urban Meyer at that particular time uh, with some of the baggage that, that, that we all know that he has. He's a very successful football coach. There's also no doubt about that. Uh, I think they would be a little more willing at this point. But to your point, Ken, they keep winning. And so it's a bizarre situation. It is one where living here, it's kind of crazy. I'm not an SC guy. I grew up on the East Coast, not far from where you're recording out there in New York. Um, And it's weird for me to watch. uh, But clearly, Clay Helen's another one. He doesn't feel like he's the answer but he's doing enough to keep his job and, frankly, keep his team relevant in a year where we just saw Oregon lose. Uh, USC is essentially, in theory, the only team that could qualify for the playoff out of the Pac-12 at this point, even if I don't think it'll happen. I mean, i got to give credit to Jonathan Smith. You, you, you led me right to that question about Oregon. How big of an upset was that for Oregon to lose like that? I, I know, pandemic year, that's that's the whole crux of the thing, but that that's a Big loss for Oregon to have against Oregon State, where it looked like in a couple times they were in control of that game. No, 100%. And it, it's funny because, you know, Mario Cristobal on the other sideline is, is kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, and I think it's fair. He, he, he wins a lot of big games. He won the Rose Bowl. He won the Pac-12 title. But you have those games where 
I, I don't want to say they came out flat last night because they scored 30 plus points, but they lose to teams that they frankly just shouldn't lose to. And so to your to your point, it's a testament to Oregon State. Weird game, weird weather, rivalry game, all that stuff. But I also think it speaks a little bit to Oregon as they, uh, you know, they inside that building believe that they are going to be the next power in the Pac-12, that what they did last year is sustainable long-term. To their credit, they are recruiting at the highest level. I think the next thing is if they want to be considered a national championship-type program, you can't be having those kind of games. Um, They're not on the level. I'm not claiming they are of an Alabama, Ohio State, ever. But rarely do you see a team just come out so many mental mistakes, so many physical mistakes, and you lose to a team that, let's just be honest, you know, from a, a player skill, all that standpoint, you have no business losing to. Aaron Torres joining us on the show. Find him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. I think, yeah, Ohio State might not play in the Big Ten championship game. I still think the college football playoff committee, I, I think it's the same way I think they're viewing this the same way we kind of do with the government. Well, as long as we keep Amazon and Walmart afloat, things will still be okay. And I think college football looks and go, well, as long as we can give a good argument to put Alabama in there and Clemson and Ohio State and maybe even Notre Dame, we'll get plenty of eyes on that and things will be okay. I think that they can take a 5-0 and football team that didn't play in the Big Ten and go, yeah, well, we still know they're one of the best teams in the country, so we're going to put them in the top four. And I think we're just going to have to accept it, Aaron. As much as I may not want it, I think we might have to accept it. Well, it's really funny because, you know, for years I've been arguing this, and, and every year there's some controversy, a second SEC team, a group of five team, whatever. And, you know, if you look at the committee bylaws, the first line says you got, we're taking the four best teams, and then it's based on this criteria. Um, and so, listen, if Ohio State wins the games that they're supposed to that are left on the schedule, who, whatever schedule they have left, um, there's going to be a, a compelling argument to be made that um, they, they did, in fact, um, you know, are one of the four best teams. Where I think it'll get interesting is two things. One, if Northwestern does finish this season undefeated, I mean, and, and we're talking about, say, a 9-0 and Northwestern team against a 5-0 and uh, Ohio State team, you know, it, it, I would – it's tough, Ken, because I'm in your corner. Like, I, like I don't think there's a debate when I put on the tape, or I'm, I'm, I sound like an idiot by saying that, but when I watch these games on Saturdays, I don't put on the tape. I don't have a projector uh, in my attic or anything <laughs> like that. But you know, like, like when I when I watch these games, I think there's no doubt that size, skill, all that stuff. Ohio State is the better team, is the superior team, and I hope they get a chance to prove that in Indianapolis on December 19th. Um, but I also would understand the gripe of. You know, Northwestern, it's kind of, Northwestern's kind of making the same argument as the Pittsburgh Steelers have been. It's like, don't punish us because we didn't do anything wrong and give, give the advantage to somebody else. So that would be where it would get interesting if somehow Northwestern did finish undefeated. I think at this point it's safe to say they will qualify for the Big Ten title game based on win-loss record and the fact they'll get in enough games. Uh, that would be where it would be interesting to me. But I'm also with you. I don't disagree that the eye test says that Ohio State is not only – the best team in the Big Ten, but at least as of right now, one of the four best teams in college football. Where's Matt Campbell going to coach next year? You know, well, first of all, this was something I hadn't really heard, and it's just not really my area of expertise, but one of the NFL insiders said that he would have interest from NFL organizations, which I found really interesting. Uh, You know, those guys, you know, cover the NFL beat 365 days a year, and I give them credit because I had just not heard that. Um, so that's an interesting wrinkle. 
you know, and I think the other interesting wrinkles are what we kind of talked about at the beginning of this conversation, which is that, you know, I think a guy like Matt Campbell, you saw the emotion after the game last night, and it felt like, well, you know, this guy loves this program and loves these players, and I know he's had opportunities to leave before, but you talk about some of the kind of quote-unquote Cadillac jobs that could be in theory open after this season, whether it is Michigan, whether it is Texas, um, you know, if this guy is serious about taking that next step in his career, and by the way, maybe he believes he can do it at the highest level at Iowa State. I guess I would in theory question that. Um, but to me, I, you know, I would still say Iowa State. But I also think if both Texas and Michigan were to open up, it's really hard for that guy to sit at Iowa State, everything he's accomplished in Ames, and say, look, I love this program, but, you know, you only get a chance to coach at one of those programs at, at, at a time, at, you know, so many opportunities in your career. I would find it hard to believe that he would turn down one of those really, 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 truly elite jobs. I don't know how he could. I really don't. Right? Aaron, I, I thank you very much for the time. At Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. You're one of the best, buddy. Take care. Ken, thank you so much, man. Have a great afternoon. You too. Aaron Torres, college football writer and host, Fox Sports Radio. AaronTorresOnline.com, Kentucky Sports Radio, the whole the whole gambit. I, at seven and two, you know, I would think about him. We, we always did this with Ferentz at Iowa. We did this with Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Yeah, you know, there's a point where it, you you can be a lifer and you can have a very nice living, but if you were thinking about moving, there's such a thing as moving or staying too long. Eight five five two one two four CBS. 1.20 p.m. Eastern, Worker Shoot. Up next, a cautionary tale for Trevor Lawrence, told by Joe Burrow. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.